Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Tox and Tasting Studios, I'm Bullhagen. I'm Berg. And I'm Vicar. Welcome to the Clerical Errors Podcast. Peter's here. Hey, Pete. The show that shows you what's behind the collar. This should be an awesome episode because it is almost 8 o'clock on a Sunday evening. We've had busy days already. Yep, we're all super tired. But this we're... is our second episode we're recording, and uh, and we've been tasting. We have we've been, been using the the tasting studios for tasting, and this is our second episode. Not only that, I, it was leg day for me, so I did legs uh, before I came into the studio. So, but we have Peter here, so we'll be a little bit more focused. You're gonna have yeah, fun. I, uh... I was busy until just now, and they said, well, we just got finished, but we can do another one. And I said, are you sure you guys want to do another one? They well, said, yeah, Bork, let's do Bork's it. kind of fired up today, so he's ready to go. So I hope I didn't miss anything important in the last episode. I can't talk about it this episode <laughs> until I hear it later. <laughs> but I got to catch up with you guys, so I've got my uh, Glenlivet 12-year. Nice. Living the dream. Is it uh, just the regular Glenlivet, or is it like the double oak one, or... Uh, just the regular. Okay. That Single du- malt. The double oak one is really good. Oh, no, no. It is double oak. Yeah, I like that one. The French oak is okay. They're I, showing I, it to you there. Yeah, I like the double oak. Yeah, that's nice stuff. So, goes really good with a little steak. bit, And uh, I also picked up some cigars for later, I think. It's a nice, cool day, night out. I think I'm going to have a smoke. Yeah. No. You're, you're going to have it with someone over there? We're not keeping you from that. So, no, no, no. You know, what I really want... Honestly, it would be really cool. A smoking jacket with mm. the Clerical Errors logo Ooh, right oh. there. Wow. Yeah. Well, Sounds it, nice. It's easy for me because every every jacket I put on is smoking. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that was scary, and it is Halloween. Is it? Yeah. It is. Oh, it's Halloween? That sounds scary. <laughs> oh. That um. sounds scary. Oh, that wrong button there. Let's see. <laughs> this episode is starting to sound scary. Wait, wait. This is why you recorded the extra channel? You have sound effects now? You're doing your own sound effects? Yes. I'm bringing oh, the thunder. I'm... Oh, no. I'm gone for one episode. And this, see, this is why. This is what happens. Yeah, you can't leave us alone. You just can't, man. <laughs> it's a the big show. We're ready to go. I can't. Okay. I'm sure you can. But I can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Halloween. You know what? I, I will say this. You know, I might complain about having ADD, but it it really is fun sometimes. I, I believe it. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay. My bad. I'll try not to ruin the show even further. Uh, so we have uh, a beverage uh, a listener uh, brought us. And a uh, uh, big shout out to Carl for offering this to us. Listener of the show. Would you like to say what he brought us? He brought us the New Glarus, a New Glarus raspberry tart. Now, New Glarus is in 
Wisconsin. I've actually toured that brewery. It's really cool. Uh, the description here is, treat yourself to a rare delight. This voluminous raspberry bouquet will greet you long before your lips touch your glass. Serve this Wisconsin framboise. Framboy? Very Framboy? Frambois? Frambois? F-R-A-M-B-O-I-S-E. Very cold in a champagne flute. Then hold your glass to a light and enjoy the jewel-like sparkle of a very special ale. Oregon proudly shares their harvest of month of mouth-watering berries, which we ferment spontaneously. Wow! In large oak spontaneous. Bags. Then we enjoy. Then we employ Wisconsin farmed wheat. How do you do that spontaneously? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just reading what it says here. Wheat and year-old Hollertau hops to round out this extra vaganza of flavor. Life's too short. Extravaganza. Oh, extra! Oh, <laughs> no! It's extra, and then you know what? And then, then if if the marketing, hey, New Glarus, your marketing department, if you're using words that Berg doesn't know, you've got a problem because it's extra. Fair enough. Vaganza. So I don't know. Life's too short to wait for dessert. Yeah. Enjoy. Frambois. Okay. Frambois. Whatever frambois is. Do we do, do we know what frambois is? It said hey, it was a beer style. If you okay. can't pronounce it, you can't afford it. Well, yeah. I'm also a Philistine, so, you know. Frambois is a Belgian lambic beer fermented with raspberry. Ooh. Ooh. So, here we go. Oh, Vicar can do it. Vicar was just showing off his little trick. What oh. is that trick, Vicar, of getting the beer bottle open? So that was a long way of saying it's beer with raspberries. Yes. Okay. It's raspberry beer. It's a Here. fancy way of... Oh, thank you. Now, uh, you know, Bullhagen had some champagne flutes, so we're, you know, we're in luck. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can't. it's got wheat, so this is just for the other two. And the listener couldn't see this, but we were just kind of showing off how you can open a beer with your wedding ring. That's the kind of person you're listening to, dear listener. As long as you've got like a steel or strong metal wedding right. ring, I imagine. I wouldn't want to do that with just gold. I, I paid $23 on my wedding ring, so I'm not going to do that. So what what do you guys think? First, may I smell it? It's beautiful. Tasting? It's got a lot of nose. Mm. Yeah. Is it tart? It's a, it is tart. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'm getting the feeling that uh, you have some like berry type beers where it's it's like we don't we want to make a beer for the ladies, you know, where you don't taste a little less like beer. I'm guessing this is more like embraces the beer and then adds the no, not really. <laughs> it's it, I think I think it could be for the ladies too. This is basically like a raspberry wine almost. The raspberries are really strong. Uh, I don't get much malt. Not at all. I don't get any... Uh, what about the hops? Any hops? Not, not even the hops. It's it's basically None. like straight raspberry. Yeah. Um, If it were any sweeter, I don't know if I'd like it. So, But it's, you know, it's good for what it is. Yeah. But, by, the, by the way, uh, the... Um, the juniper is really good with uh, some of my uh, 
um, sparkling cherry lime. lime if you want nice. to try some of that too. But the juniper gin you have? Yes, from Hannah. Ah. Mm. Yeah, we're losing some steam here. <laughs> we're doing our tasting and talking. That's the fun part anyway. How is it with the gin, Berg? I think if the mixture was a little bit stronger, but I don't want to waste the beer either. Right. But it's interesting. I like I like how the the juniper kind of plays with it a little bit. So So uh what are we preaching on? We should So it's Halloween, right? And, and All uh, Hallows Eve, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm I'm honestly shocked, Berg, that you would ever call it Halloween. Oh yeah. I you know, it, people are dumb. Like they'll say, Well it's Jesus ween or whatever, you know. <laughs> it's just it's like you have no idea of anything. So just shut your mouth. It's just like do some research, right? Because it's All Hallows Eve, right? It's the Eve before All Saints Day, right? So give the history, because I know you can. <sighs> I mean, I don't know. It's it's the day before All Saints Day, right? It's mm-hmm. you know, and everybody gets so weird about it, and it's you know. So All Saints Day is a day that was meant to commemorate all of the saints of the calendar. Uh, because, you know, obviously they ran out of days, and so mm-hmm. not every saint could have its right. own, you know. And so a lot of times in the Christian church, we celebrate the night before, too, right? Mm-hmm. So you have, like, Christmas Eve, right? Or Easter Vigil. Or Easter Vigil, and that kind of stuff. Um, so Halloween is just another uh, another Eve for a, one of the most important festivals of the... So how did it get turned into a dark thing? Well, you know, I mean, actually, if you really want to be, you know, kind of, you know, Halloween isn't really a dark thing. They tried to mix it with uh, pagan mythology, and that's all been clearly debunked on uh, Steadfast Lutherans. If you want to go read those articles on redeeming the holy days, uh, you should do that. It's really great at debunking, you know, all of these people who say, oh, well, you know, all these Christian festivals are pagan, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it. It's not true. Um, so um, the reason why it's so dark, you know, is because, you know, it got associated with things like ghosts and goblins and, and death and death and, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, kind of like the same way cemeteries have become, you know, really, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to blame the Victorian period because the Victorian period kind of sucked in a lot of ways. In what ways? Well, it produced the Gothic novel. And that started in like eight, in 1789 with uh, the Count of Ortho, right? Mm-hmm. And it led to great works of art like uh, Dracula, for example, and Melmoth the Wanderer. And what these works did is they tried to bring forward some of these medievalisms mm-hmm. into the present day. And so you have like creepy graveyards and, you know, ruined castles, and you've got these heroines who are just you know fainting and you know the strong brave hero Mm -hmm. who comes to save them you know it's just so you know a lot of that the gothic stuff really changed it um night of the living dead changed it the Mm -hmm. movie by uh, romero in the 60s um even things like buffy the vampire slayer right Mm -hmm. because in a way we've forgotten that the cemetery is actually the most peaceful place on earth because it's where the the bodies of the saints rest. So we will probably not be celebrating Halloween on Sunday, but probably the Reformation. I think I might actually allow Vicar to preach on Reformation. Would you nice. Like that? Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, since you know, 
I'm I'm so far good at planning ahead. I thought I'd you know t- not tell you like Monday, but at least do it on the air, right? So, uh, <laughs> so are you gonna make him? Are you gonna make him preach the original text for Reformation? Well, I don't remember what that is. Okay, so there are there are two original texts for Reformation. One is Revelation 14. Okay, uh, Revelation 14 six through seven. Or there's Matthew eleven twelve through 15. I'll read Matthew 11. Uh, Jesus said, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. All right. So... You gonna make him preach on that one? <laughs> you should. That'd be awesome. Well, you know, I would feel bad because because he had uh, an interesting one to preach today with uh, I'm blanking out. Christ as cornerstone. Right. It was very memorable, Vicar. Thank you. Do <laughs> 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 you hear something funny? Uh, you're so such, so you're Hannah came. Hannah came because you know this is the same day we're recording two today to kind of get ahead. Right. So Hannah came today and she went to Bible study here. And then she went to church at your place. Yep. And uh, um, you might, well, why did she go to two? Well, she came here, and I told her the vicar was preaching, and so they decided to go to your church. (laughs) (laughs) Poor vicar. It's her loss. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Well, and you guys know that she, she sent in a review of her stay did you guys see that? Yeah, we actually we did a Hannah episode. Our last one was where we did oh, Is It a Sin? We did her top 12, and then we did her comments. Yeah. I think the most important one was her first comment. I think that's the most <laughs> important one. Yes, where she says, as tall and buff as I expected. I'm shorter and grayer than she than she <laughs> expected. But she kept on looking at me like, I don't know. You just don't match your voice. I just can't match your voice I'm used to and then your face. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> I like that she became an instant celebrity just by her license plate, which is just the funniest thing to me. All right, so let's talk about the text a little bit. Matthew 11, 12 through 15. I forgot and what it was. <laughs> All right, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Or would you prefer that or the Revelation text? Well, Vicar's the one that's going to be preaching for us. So, Vicar, do you need to hear the Revelation? Yeah. I mean, what, that one's about the enduring quality of the word. They try to kill it and they try to end it with force, but it doesn't work out so well. So the Revelation 14 text is Revelation 14, 6 through 7. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Now, I know Berg. I know Berg likes the the Matthew text. Of course, I love the Matthew text. That's the one you're going to preach on. Am I wrong? Probably not. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure yet, and I'll have to look at both. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, I think that one is, you know, you know, going to the Reformation, because you would expect maybe the text and probably the epistle lesson is about salvation by grace. 
The epistle is Roman is uh, Revelation. So oh, okay. Dun dun dun. Because you you now LSB has different ones. So oh, these, these are the original texts. The original texts. So uh, I kind of like the, you know, I'm more of a cheery person. I'd probably do the Revelation, and you're more of a. See, you would think that, but actually, I think the Matthew text is actually really cheery. Well, why do you say that? Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Berg's excited. All right, so Jesus says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, usually people would think that would be like persecution, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, the kingdom of heaven is being, uh, uh, is suffering, is, you know, uh, whatever, right? Um, but it's a middle, passive. So it can either be it's suffered violence or, or it's coming violently. Okay. Right? So the kingdom of heaven is coming violently, and the violent take it by force may not be uh, a bad thing. It might actually be a good thing. And we see this in the parallel passage in Luke that— uh, the people are actually seizing the word of God and holding on to it and never letting it go, right? That since the time of John, people are believing. They're believing oh, it, yeah. and they're taking hold of the kingdom, and they're not letting it go, right? Mm-hmm. Which is great. I mean, that is That is beautiful, awesome, yeah. Right? And it's not only that, but uh, there's something coming to an end here, right? All of the prophets and all the law prophesied until this point, until John. Right? The law came from Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Right? Mm -hmm. Starting with John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. Right? The Elijah who would turn the the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers. Right? Mm -hmm. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Because if you hear this, you too will become violent. You will take the kingdom of heaven by force. And you'll never let it go. There you go, Vicar. Perfect. Thank you. So, you know. But I might choose to do the LSB text. <laughs> <laughs> what is the LSB text? Uh, I think it's... Uh, the truth will set you free, maybe? Yeah, the truth will set you free. Oh, and, yeah. We talked about that. And Romans, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yada, I mean, that yada, is God's yada, word. Yada. That is kind of important. Yeah, I'm not saying it's... But come on. It's like we get it's this... It's too obvious for you? That's what You don't like things that are obvious. Is that it? I'm just sick of everybody wanting the same thing all the time. If I wanted a pre-made dinner, I'd go buy a whole bunch of those, you know, hot pockets. Oh. The ones that weren't pooped on in a previous episode. But you know episode. what? That's what, don't, not to play devil's advocate, but is that, is that what people say about using the divine service? The div- well, not if they listen to me preach. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, you got some direction there, Vicar? You kind of took the, the wind out of your sails. Now you don't have to yeah, wrestle I- with the text. Well, you could call it that, but I've got to look at it. Yeah, take a look at it. It wasn't kind of an interesting thing. You know, uh, Vicar preached a good sermon, you know, and uh, what he, he, his reaction was, what did you say to me in my office before recording? Something about, well, I had a little help. <laughs> yeah, behind the scenes, you know, some help on the manuscript from my supervisor. The, the advice I gave him was this. Is uh maybe we talked about it last time. We, we did. Okay, never mind. But well, and that's the thing is that you know nobody's that original, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and that's the thing is we all need some help. We all need mm-hmm. 
we all need people to tell us what's going on. And, right and with sermon on. writing, it, it is oftentimes finding like a the angle of direction. And something usually when you get it, you're more experienced like you and I. Like once you have like where you want to go, the sermon just phew. yeah. But it's finding that little bit of an angle of yeah. where, what direction you want to take. And knowing exactly what the text says. Right. I think that's the biggest thing. And like I was just listening to a podcast on the way back from Alden because I preached there. Oh, now it would have been like two weeks ago, but uh, I was listening to uh, a podcast from the Godestines crowd on Reinhold Pieper, and he was talking about that. And, you know, the main thing is, is that, you know, before you can even start writing your sermon, you need to know what the text actually says, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, it seems really trite, but it's important, right? For me, a lot of my sermon writing is, is done like when I'm driving, Mm -hmm. where I know I've studied the text enough that I, you know, or I'm doing something and I'm just maybe in my absent-minded place, just kind of wrestling with it and, and and wrestling with how, what does that text actually mean? But then what does it mean in the context of the listener right now? Yeah. And, um, and that's when I kind of have, have fun with it where I kind of, kind of look at, uh, you know, really what does it address right now? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I listen to other podcasters and I never like I, n- I almost never take their advice but uh they're talking about it actually you know you know, what, you know I wonder I wonder if, if there are pastors who who listen to our podcast we'll have to see like a year in advance like are they're listening to last year's episode <laughs> that would be pretty cool I'm not gonna lie you know where they're yeah. using using us for because if you're listening to us at five o'clock in the morning on Sunday, it's... you're in trouble, man. <laughs> you're in trouble. So, anyways, all right. So this is kind of I've got a, a, a what it is, what it ain't, what it could be. Vicar has a top twelve, and you've got a bunch of books. Uh, I want to give throw the ball in your court because you probably carried all these books in. How do you want to do this? Uh, let's start with Vicar. Then we'll go to you, and we can finish off with whatever we have. Okay. Because there's a lot of good, you know. Um, I mean, you know, I can give them book reports anytime. I was I was talking to Vicar, and he was he was not real confident about his top twelve list, right? Right. Right. So I had this idea of well, he's gonna give his top twelve list, and then as we go through it, we'll fix it. <laughs> we can do that. I think you should give him a round of applause. All right, let's see you if I know, can find that. Just I'll, I'll like, find the round of applause that Vicar deserves. Right, just to boost his confidence. All right, here you go. <laughs> uh, no, 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 I'll give <laughs> I'll give him a, a round of Here you go. Um, <laughs> wait, no, that was the wrong one. Oh, poor Peter. He hates this. I don't have applause. It's all bad stuff. <laughs> okay. Well, Peter, please put in some applause that, you know. <laughs> How's that? Oh, that's pretty upbeat. So, all right. So, so this is. Oh, we better do Peter play the intro. Peter, play the intro. <laughs> 
<laughs> Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. <laughs> like I said earlier, sometimes having ADD is amazing. <laughs> oh boy. So what 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 is uh well, what is your top 12 list? All right. So this is Vickers' top 12 reasons for Christian education. Looking for uh, feedback from the two pastors. Okay. Okay? So you can fix, awesome. you can fix this. And by the way, this is Berg has been thinking deeply about this kind of stuff. I know that as a friend, right? It's true. I can, I, I, as his friend, I, I know he's been, this is stuff he's been really been thinking deeply about, so... So maybe maybe some of these will get you to express some of that on the air. Number 12. Lutheran education benefits the community with community outreach. Okay. Go on. So you might get some non-Lutherans coming to the school, and the community knows you're there, and so this might be the only chance they have to hear the gospel. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, it doesn't always... W- the, the the problem, if I was going to fix it a little bit, is sometimes that's a little overblown in the sense of it does, um, but uh, unless there's a change also in the home, it becomes a struggle. Yeah, I mean, it it does expose people to the gospel. You just don't want it to be any more than what it actually might be. But yeah, no, it's okay. good. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, then I guess my point is is uh, sometimes that is it, it it prevents people from actually doing the the real work in the sense of well, we have a school, that's our mission, and then it kind of doesn't go anywhere. So. But how how good would you feel as a school, knowing that even some non church going parents think your education is better than the public schools? Yeah, I mean, you know, it is a good thing, mm-hmm. you know. And and I guess a lot of that is when you think of like when we go to the daycare, it's the same kind of thing, um, where where when I we don't do anything earth shaking with the kids, right. But we're at an age with the three and four year olds where they're they're starting to f- they're forming their opinions and their understanding about the world, and and so what I try to do is just ha- allowing them to have a, a positive understanding of a pastor, right? Like a pastor's a good guy and Jesus is good. You know what I mean? Yep. That that can kind of kind of affect them long term. Um. So. And who knows what seeds. Lutheran education can plant even in a non-church-going family. Mm-hmm. Number 11. Lutheran education is a fruit of the Reformation. Absolutely. Okay, so what I have here is it started with German churches. The immigrants brought that model overseas with them to the Americas. And that Martin Luther himself had a high regard for education of the youth so that they could be a positive asset in society. Right. And, and, and really, it was not only just 
the the education aspect was for really everybody. It was school. It was home. It was with the large catechism, the education of the pastors themselves. When the at the time of the reformations, you know, the priests and the pastors really knew nothing. Yeah, a lot of them didn't even know the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> so no, it's yeah, absolutely. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that model in America, they were encouraged, if at all possible, to have a Luth- to have a school with the new churches. Yeah, actually, in the Constitution. Uh, Many times uh, the school actually came first before the church. Right. It was actually required, if you wanted right. to join the Senate, to uh, have a school. And, and uh, part of that, too, was the German language was very important in that as well. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, our, our Saxon forebears actually left for the sake of their children because a lot of the pastors over there had big fights with their school teachers over curriculum that was not good. Um, which is fascinating, and you can read all about it in Korchak's book on Lutheran education. Great, great book. Number 10. Lutheran education encourages godly vocations. Yes, continue. Especially church work. But all all vocations can be godly. Mm-hmm. When you learn, for example, the table of duties and and what your role is in the world, and uh, yeah, because uh, table of duties. What is that? Maybe, maybe I missed. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> no, Vicar. What is that for people who might not have ever learned what the table of duties is? How a Christian should live, whether they're a child or a employer or an employee. Mm-hmm. Some godly advice on how to live that out. In a, in a way that serves Christ and the and, gospel. And where do we find that? In Luther's small catechism. Yes. And now, I, now I, the, reason, the only reason I bring this up, and it might seem very pedantic, but I never actually learned. I didn't actually know there was a table of duties until much, much later after my confirmation. We had never, ever gone through it. So I don't know how many listeners out there have maybe never even heard of the table of and, duties before. And when people say, well... Why study the catechism when you have the Bible? Well, what is the table duties? Right. Or, oh, it's just you know, Bible we, passages. We do all of this catechism stuff, blah, blah, blah. Shouldn't we teach him how to live? Well, <laughs> it's right there, guys. Come on. You know. But, you know, if the pastor doesn't teach it. And, and I know. like your, your talk about vocation because, um, you know, vocation is you serve God by serving your neighbor. So whatever... Th- vocation you're doing, whether it's in, if you're working at a supermarket, if you're working behind the fairway meat counter. Right. Man, you know. I wish I worked behind the fairway meat counter. Oh. <sighs> Although I did work at a grocery store from high school through college and through seminary, which is awesome. Uh, and one of them, like the meat guy would say, hey, you need some ground beef? Yeah. And he would like get whatever's left of the really good stuff and he'd mm. make ground meat into it. Life is good. So, but, but the vocation, the, the idea of of that uh, Christians make good citizens, Christians right. make good workers, and uh, it places what they do, whether it's math, science, uh, English, uh, all those things, in the context of that, of, of being a good neighbor and, and serving. So under 
godly vocations, I would add that students in Christian schools might also get exposure to the other um, career paths that uh, the Lutheran Church would offer, such as music, pastors, deaconess, Lutheran school teachers, etc. Mm-hmm. So they might not even know that's an option until they learn about it in school. Right. Or even learning about some of them that are not actually paid vacations, but like parent, father, mother, son, daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Number nine. Educators can model spiritual relation or spiritual leadership to the kids. Okay. Do you need more? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Well, kids look up to adults, right? Especially those most influential in their lives. Okay, yep. Like a teacher. Mm-hmm. Maybe at home, they don't have the best spiritual leader. Okay. But once they see that in school, maybe it'll start to click. Okay, so what is meant by spiritual leadership? Like, what does that look like what does that look like? Because that, that sounds like, like a like a buzzword, like a Lutheran buzzword. Like, do you have around. a like a concrete thing in mind? Well, if we start at home, it should be the head of the family. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, you've been talking about schools and them maybe filling in the gaps. Like, so what does spiritual leadership from a teacher maybe look like on a day to day or a week to week basis? Maybe using the gospel to encourage. Or even the the law to correct. Okay. But and a true and, sense and, of... and I think also a modeling. Right. Meaning, uh, well, you'd expect to see your teacher in church. Okay. Right. Right. You would expect the the, the teacher to to explain and talk about the sermon that the pastor preached, mm-hmm. or to use what is spoken of in chapel as a guide, mm-hmm. or to. Th- to think about, okay, let's talk about this, the hymn that we sang. I would say, too, that teachers have a chance to model forgiveness or even patience. And that might not be something that kids see at home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So kind of a, not only an, a worldview or an attitude, but kind of a comprehensive right. way of life. Right. I, I would right. say this. I would say another thing that is really needed and sometimes is often actually quite missing in our Lutheran schools is uh, the masculine aspect. Right. Of because I think um, the danger we have in in Lutheran schools is to kind of pr- to to give some more of a feminine type Christianity because a lot of the teachers are feminine, but to have a strong masculine presence in a Lutheran school is very, right. very important. Frankly, I see that happening in just regular, you know, in public education because there are so few male teachers. Uh, I think it's actually, I think our, our male students are actually suffering from that because, um, you know, they're <coughs> kind of forced to conform to this feminized version of themselves. And I mean, you look at how men have done in like high school and college uh, for the last, you know, maybe five, 10 years. Uh, and it's been very, very uh, difficult for them. So number eight, public schools can be 
almost considered, in, at least in some places, as liberal seminaries. Keep going. What, what does that mean? They are in the business of intentionally forming liberal thinkers, trying to eradicate all evidence of faith. Well, I, I would say this. I would say liberal, it depends upon how you use the word liberal. Right. Because true education should actually lead them to actually think about things outside of what they're being told. And what they're doing is oftentimes the opposite. This is how you should think. And uh, like boxing them in. I have noticed a huge difference in my 20 years, like in sermon studies, mm-hmm. where um, where uh, where 20 years ago, kids could actually analyze a sermon and they can think about it and take it to heart. And it became something where, and, and I could just say, Okay, write one or two pages about the sermon, and they could do it. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. I had to stop that because they couldn't do that anymore. I had to ask questions. Where was this in the sermon? Where was this in the sermon? And I have to ask, you know, what didn't you understand? So do you mind if I ask you a question then? Yeah. Do you actually see a difference between, you know, because we have a parochial school, and some of your kids have gone there, you know, some of your confirmation kids. Mm -hmm. Do you see a difference between... Like the ones who go to public school and the ones who go to parochial school, yeah. Or is, or is it pretty? Or is it pretty? Um, I saw less of a difference when, um, for example, Peter had someone in, in his confirmation class who was um, didn't go to the St. Paul's, but he was there every Sunday, mm-hmm. and he took was at every Sunday school class, and he took everything very seriously. I saw less of a difference in him, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but at the same, you know, what I'm talking about Pete. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but then, you know, to my members who have gone to the school who maybe even been a little less, um, faithful. Right. In yeah. church, I would still see that they really knew their stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, and I do see a real difference in that. Right. So, yes. So, to add to that, my perception is that public school now is trying to eradicate all evidence of faith and undo biblical truths almost intentionally. Now, at, at least to some respect, right? I would say, I would say, I would be careful in saying that when, um, maybe from a, a, a from a, a large point of view, but. I would say at the same hand that individual you don't want to place that in the hands of individual teachers. No, but I, I do think, like, even John Schaller wrote about this, uh, like, over 100 years ago. I think it was 1912 he wrote this uh, uh, essay called The Struggle for the Christian School is a Struggle for Worldview. And what he said is that, uh, and I think he's right on this, is that the presupposition of the public school is godless in the fact that it is apart from God. Mm-hmm. Um, and when your curriculum is built that way, and if all you have to live for is this world, and those are the kind of skills that you're imparting, and those are the kind of ethics you're imparting, I mean, that's going to lead to a much different ethical system. Right. You know, I, I, and, and like, like I, I understand your point. Like, there are individual teachers who try to 
smuggle in Christianity where they can. Right. Um, I do think that is becoming more and more difficult as the time goes on, especially uh, since they've been pushing this critical race theory stuff. Right. Or even Common Core, where basically you teach what is given you from the state, from the government, right, from the top down. And so, you know, I do think it is becoming, you know, the stuff that John Schaller saw 100 years ago, uh, I think, is becoming more and more clear. Uh, And even in rural areas, it's becoming more and more difficult. Where where could someone read that? Uh, We can... I can post it to the well. I can't post it to the Facebook page, but I can send it to someone who could put because I've got the uh, the documents. So okay, because that so, that would be helpful. Like if someone wanted to read what he was saying, right? And to uh, uh, this was translated by Michael Holman. He's a pastor in uh, Old Wine, Iowa. So um, just to give him a shout out because you know I don't like to steal people's stuff. But anyway, Vicar. Sorry to be the messenger of dark things, but. It's just my perception. No. I I think your perception Bird is... Bird loves dark things. Yep. <laughs> Indeed, this is my this is my witching hour. Well, dark this beer, also comes... Dark coffee. You know, I like my coffee like I like my life, dark and bitter. <laughs> and, and this comes from a parent whose kids were in public school, but switched to the Lutheran school, so... Right, you are not just, uh, you know... Uh, theorizing here. Right. You know, you have actually experienced this in very concrete ways. Well, actually, Peter, do you have any comment on this? Because you've been in both as well. Um, I'm probably a bad person to talk to you about it because I feel like socially I suffered a lot from being in procreal school just because it was such such a small school. I think a lot of this applies better if it's a bigger school. It was a difficult transition. It was like a huge culture shift from one to the other. Yeah. That's kind of the point, though. You're living in one culture or the other. Well, I, I mean, like, it's like, you know, I, I had to learn how to make friends because I didn't I didn't even know how to, you know, because I, I only had two classmates for my entire grade school career, you know. So I think that is one aspect of the which should be taken into account that less people isn't always better. Fair enough. Number seven. Kids are taught to live out the gospel message. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, comes with forgiveness and humbleness, right? These Lutheran schools, you learn to be humble. Mm-hmm. And you also learn to shift your focus on on Christ, who did all the work already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you think of an example? Like, because did you attend a Lutheran school? No. Okay. So maybe like in your daughter's lives, maybe? Can you think of a... At one of the Lutheran schools, uh, one of our daughters was new and was worried about making friends. So I told her just... Find the kids that don't have any friends and kind of show love for your neighbor and and maybe you'll make some. And they actually had a bench, which is kind of sad, for kids to sit on at recess that didn't have anybody to play with or something like that. And and she made friends right there and they turned out to be almost lifelong friends here so far. Oh, wonderful. 
Number six. Kids in Christian education grow academically and spiritually. Yeah, our academics are really strong at St. Paul's, you know. and But that's not the real reason why we're there. Well, I think that might draw in some of the neighborhood kids too, wouldn't you say? Because mm-hmm. um, one thing you can count on is for... If our teachers would actually talk about the, you know. <laughs> they just weren't so gosh darn humble. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I terrible. I would think that the school could be would be consistent. What do you mm-hmm. think, Berg? Since you are at one, and even though the public school curriculum goes up and down with the whatever the political climate is, mm-hmm. at least the private schools are consistent. Yeah, I I think we have to be really really vigilant on things like benchmarks. Because unfortunately, we're using a lot of the same tools that the public school is using. And when they recalibrate their systems, it may it may look like our children are, you know, above average and doing much better. And they, they are. But is it really where we want them to be? Is it the same sort of education that we got, you know, 20 years ago? Because I, I I do I do wonder about that because you know well, uh, you know I look at the McGuffey readers for example which were taught basically up until eighth grade and some of those things are like um, college level now and uh, so it, I'm just thinking out loud here it's not mm-hmm. a critique of anything you're saying because I agree with you um, but uh, especially if your teachers have been teaching for like thirty years right. like that's the thing. You know, at the school I'm at, you know, we have remarkable consistency, which is not typical of, I think, any place else in, in the Senate. Because I, I, w- I would say this. That is, um, the quality makes such a huge difference for the student mm-hmm. and, and what you're trying to do that, you know, a poorly run... run Lutheran education, although it is it is helpful, in some ways can almost be detrimental. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Where it, it kind of it, it teaches, you know, I, I I focus on the masculine thing earlier. Like if, right. if if that's lost, and 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 boys growing up in a Lutheran school that says, okay, it seems to me that this Lutheran school and this church thing is kind of a feminine dominated thing that could really affect them yep. later on mm-hmm. if if they they learn some things and some habits that maybe aren't so helpful that could be a damaging thing right along the way so I, I i think all your points are good but i just wanted to point out that the quality of the whole thing makes a huge huge difference right and that we're there for the catechism, right? We're right. there for the religious education and, you know. So, yeah, good work. You're doing awesome. Keep it up. So I did have a bullet. you, Bert, encouraging. Hey. You should get a vicar well, sometimes. Somebody, you just can't, you know, beat the vicar down forever. <laughs> I did have a bullet point under that one of growing academically and spiritually. It it 
allows fostering a better relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So having that in the curriculum, per se, makes all the difference as well. That's kind of like, in the parochial school, why do we teach them to read? Teach them to read so they can read the Bible. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's why we teach them to read. That's the whole point. I mean, I don't care if they can read nutrition bars on the side of their, their cereal boxes, Right. What I care about is that they can read the words of God. You don't care what kind of protein intake they have if they're no, bench pressing? I don't. You know, at least... They'll learn that from you. They'll just go to the freak factory and... You they know. should at least have one gram of a protein for every kilogram of body weight. Well, I'm, trying to I'm put sure the way that they're feeding them for breakfast in the morning at the parochial school, you know. Peter, you okay? You're spinning around in your chair. I'm having a great time. Are we yeah, boring you? This is great podcast stuff. I, I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> hey Berg, how much uh, how much gin have you had? Number five. Kids learn reverence for worship service in chapel. Go on. So, your school is does this, and and so have others that I've seen during chapel. They pair the little kids up with an older buddy. Yep. So they learn how to behave from the older buddy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, during chapel service, you have teachers who will keep the kids in line and remind them to listen. <laughs> I've, got a, sure I've got a story. Will. I've got a story. <laughs> okay. So I used to do chapel once a month. Yep. Right? And, uh, you know, there they have the family groups. Yep. Right. Well, I had one time where a family group, they were walking in and the the leader of the family group was had one of the kids in a headlock and was holding a fake gun with his finger as they were walking. <laughs> Great role model, that. I think I, I knew who that was. But my, my point is. <laughs> well, and Vicar did chapel and, you know. Right. Yeah. I was impressed. I mean, you know, they did good, didn't they? Yeah, really good. And the problem that was a long time ago. One of the fear of parents going to church is how their children are going to act during the service, and if they're the parent will even get anything out of it as they're reprimanding their child. Greatest thing I ever did. I uh, I don't know how it happened, but thanks be to God, it did. But like all of the families with young children are like sitting like four pews away in the front. It's amazing. Wow. I mean, and yeah, their kids still have meltdowns, you know. But you know what? That's what we do. I also, so if you can get them some, to sit in front, if you can get them to feel like, hey, you know, it's okay to come to Bible study. It's okay to do these things. It's okay for them to cry in church. It's so beautiful. Since we're talking about chapel, one of my favorite memories is you having to confront me about Jonah acolyting with a th- the Thor shirt. Oh, yeah. You said, do you know Jonah acolyted with a t-shirt that had a false god on it? <laughs> yeah. How serious was I on that? <laughs> you know, today, today it wouldn't surprise me, Berg, if you had a Thor shirt on. Yeah, my shirts don't even have any stuff on them anymore. Right. Like, right now I'm literally wearing a t-shirt that maybe has like four specks on it. It wears off. You know, this was my, 
you know, cones of Dunshire shirt. See, my my Thor represent, representation comes when I take my shirt off. Okay. Oh my god, <laughs> lame. Well, you do have the red hair. I mean, in the original mythology, he had red hair. So, Peter, you're more like Thor than I am. I have the physique of Thor. Yes, I would agree with you. So maybe new. You just Thor. need you know special gloves so you can hold Mjolnir. Thor from the new movies. That's kind of the physique I've got going on, right? I I want to say yes. So they screwed up the mythology. Now everybody thinks that you know Thor and Loki are brothers, and it's just stupid. <laughs> People are the worst. Oh, that's the Thor you're talking about. <laughs> there you about. go. Yeah, <laughs> I really love the dude Thor. The dude that's amazing. Thor. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could grow my beard that long. Did I'd I have tell to, you? Like, oh, go ahead. Did I tell you I just watched the the Big Lebowski the other day? For the it's first taken time. you this long? I haven't watched it until just to, just now. What have we been doing with our lives? Why haven't we made a commentary on this podcast on The Big Lebowski? What do you guys do? What's doing your first reaction this? to the movie? Uh, What's your first first I just want to know where the money is. Number four. Lutheran schools are a safe environment to grow in faith for kids to build each other up. And I would argue that that's a microcosm. For the church. The only caveat I would have for that is relatively safe. Because they're they're little sinners too. They're yes, they're great little sinners. I mean some of them turn out to be bigger sinners. Well, you know, as they get bigger, they they (laughs) become bigger sinners. I mean, like I'm not taking away from your point at all. I agree with you. Well, you have the right to, that's why I'm doing it. Well, no, I but I because I don't want to like steal your thunder because I think it's a great point because I I do agree. It's just it's the difference it's, it's between never what you want it. You know, it's never what you really want it to be. You know what I mean? Like I know it's better. I do. You know? It's just never as good as I would want it to be. And and that's part of having a school or being a pastor. Is you're never and, done with your Yeah, work. I mean it just it just kills me. Well, it just let, kills let me. Let me give you the antithesis. In the public school, you might have, like, the schoolyard bully. Oh, You can have bullies and... Can I tell you something? Sure. Do you want to hear a story about me? When I was in eighth grade... Were you the bully? What was her name? (laughs) (laughs) He's got your number, too. (laughs) When I was in eighth grade, and this actually might tell something about my personality a little bit. I was small, okay? And uh, in our gym class... You had to wear, you had to wear the school shirt. It was like a uniform mm-hmm. gym class shirt you had to wear. Okay, it was kind of old school. And I went through like seven or eight of those shirts because they would just come up to me and they'd rip the shirt off me, just tear it to shreds in the locker room. Like I was bullied horribly that year. Um, and it was a Lutheran school. Hmm. I mean, horribly. Like, I wanted to go to a different school. Um, which, the way I say, affected me is why do you think, like, when I got into high school, I really wanted to lift weights yeah. and be strong? Um, and so I say, in a perfect world, yes. And then it right. happens in Lutheran schools and it happens in. Well, in and public I think schools. even in the regular world, oftentimes it is better 
Mm-hmm. It's just they're I, always bullies, right? And I, I was smart enough to know that 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 wasn't necessarily the Christian aspect of it, and I was smart enough to know that that you know, you know. And this goes back to your earlier point too of like it being an outreach, where some of it, you know, it can be such a good thing. It just depends on how much they bring into it. Right. You know what I mean? How much baggage you have to deal with. Because I've yeah. I've been on that side of it too, you know, where you've got these kids who come in and you want to help them, and, but they're, they're just bringing so much worldliness and being jaded. I've never seen so many eighth graders, seventh and eighth graders who are just so jaded. They're jaded with life. They're just cynical. It's so, it's just so evil. I mean, this is the time of life that they should be experiencing wonder and joy, you know? And the world has made them so cynical, and their own home lives have made them so cynical. And it's, I don't know, it's, you know. Yeah. Number three. In Lutheran schools, kids learn to think critically. Is that true? With God's word and the catechism <laughs> and apply it not only to other scripture texts, but to their own lives. Okay. Do you have any Peter? Was that your experience? I mean, I, I know that I am a critical thinker. I'm not sure why that happened though. You were always speaking as a parent, you were always a critical thinker. Like you were four and you you are at four years old, you knew Santa Claus was ridiculous. Well, there you go. So again, you I'm see not this. maybe the best person to ask about this. But we always like asking you, so. Oh, I'm, I'm glad I'm honored. I'm glad you're honored. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you see happening in the school? How do you see your kids thinking more critically? Well, one of my daughters is learning how to apply the catechism to um, scripture, and that makes her think too of her own life. So especially, especially when you look at Martin Luther's explanations mm-hmm. and what does it really mean? Mm-hmm. And so they learn how to apply that to their life beyond just the, let's say, letter of the law. Because what, what Pastor Berg does in that setting, as he does on the podcast, actually, sometimes when we're going through a text, he, he'll say, what now? What, what does a catechism say? How does this speak to the catechism? What catechism lessons do we learn? See, from this I'm not text? trying to toot my own horn here. I mean, that's not the that's not the issue, right? I mean, no. but I, I think it's good for everybody to right think but, through the but Bible that, this that's way. That's the point with uh, Luther's small catechism is it should be used at home mm-hmm. as well. So as you go through that, like we do for when we read it for confirmation too. We slow down and think, well, how does this even apply to us today in 2021? Right. I mean, really, the the text of the catechism should be like the ABCs. Right. It should actually be even more ingrained than the ABCs. And then you can really do some fun things with it. Well, it like the creeds, it gives you the words to express your faith. Right. And apply it. Number two. 
Christian education or Lutheran schools give full immersion into God's word for the kids. They study with and in God's word. Everything is done in, the, in that context, whether it's especially science, I can see, or history. Right. Or social studies, how, to, how that all... Now, the thing is, that the, the, the hard thing is when you deal with some of those, those things, whether it's reading or um, it's hard to find a curriculum to follow that doesn't still bow down to that world view. Right. Well, one of my favorite things is when we find out as a parent that our kids are learning history through biblical history, because that is our history. Right. As Christians, even more important than American history or European history or world history. I was watching NFL today in between my uh, reps of squats, deadlifts, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the— Sounds uh, painful. Yeah. I want to say my legs are pretty ripped right now. I want to get mailman calves. It's my goal. <laughs> or male person. No, mailman. I don't want to be a lady calves. Are you kidding me? Look at these ham hocks. <laughs> um, and the, 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 the tagline for their ad for the NFL was, NFL where all flags are equal. Ooh. I don't know what that even means. It's not good. Because now all I'm thinking about is uh, Swiss Family Robinson when they put up the... Uh, the plague flag, you know, and warn the pirates off. That's so exactly can... what I was thinking about. How odd. Well, I was Best thinking... 1960s movie ever, by the way. I mean, I don't know why you guys live in the present. <laughs> I mean, the present sucks. Yeah, because that would bring to mind the pride flag. Yeah. What do you mean? The movies are good. We, Vicar and I and our and our wives went out to a wonderful uh, Clint Eastwood movie where it's basically an old guy just driving around. <laughs> because that's all he can do at this point. He could barely walk, but he's wa- riding a horse. Yeah. He falls in love. He's like the most awkward kiss scene ever where they're dancing and then he like. What is this one? The Mucho or Macho? Macho. Yeah. Macho uh, <laughs> something. <laughs> I just felt sad. Hey, guys, we're Producer an hour and 15 <laughs> minutes into the recording. Can we get through the rest of the top 12, please? Number one. Number one. <laughs> and number one. Christian education, because it's the teacher's job to teach the kids. So if you're too lazy or too tired, you can just leave it to the teachers. Oh. Oh. Hey, remember remember a few weeks ago when we talked about how Berg really wants to punch somebody in the face for saying something? <laughs> Dude just turned beat red. I think Vicar did that on purpose. He just turned beat red. Because the fourth commandment lifts up the, the role of the teacher. Well, I guess what I would like to say is <laughs> Christian education begins... And ends at the home. You are right. Much, much better. You, you've learned the art of sometimes the best content is getting Berg angry. <laughs> that wasn't nearly as fun on audio as it was in video. 
Because I have a what it is, what it ain't, what it could be on the fourth commandment, and that's one of my points. I guess we'll just have to do it next time. Yeah. All right, yeah. time for episode three of the evening. Ah, we wouldn't make it Ooh. through. We might run out of gin. <laughs> <laughs> any closing fun? Any closing thoughts here, Vicar? Nice job, Vicar. We're proud of you. <laughs> no, I'm just glad I got you guys thinking. Let me see if I can find a sound effect for for you, Vicar. Let's see here. I can't wait for it to not work. So is that what you guys expected, though? Yeah. I mean, a lot of them I, I expected. Okay. So. Nope. It's good. All right. You're right on track. I did my job. Home run. It was a home run. <laughs> that one was actually kind of funny. Not going to lie. <laughs> All right. All right, so I'm bullying. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Where thank can they? You. Where can they get a hold of us? Well, they could email us at facebook at clericalheirs dot org. At me, bro. Find us on Facebook at facebook dot com slash clericalheirs podcast. At me, bro. Or on Twitter. At me, bro. At clericalheirs p. P for podcast. At me, bro. And if they'd like to donate, there's a link on our website for Patreon. Yeah. If you donate to our Patreon, you will see a post with a link to the uh, Captain Creation Consolidated Works. Nearly one full hour of Captain Creation content. Oh my goodness. Only available (laughs) to our Patreon subscribers. Donate a dollar or more, and you can see the link. We should do an episode where Berg analyzes the, the catechetical uh... implications of Captain Creation. <laughs> Captain so thank you for listening. Captain Creation has made a few mistakes. <laughs> That's a episode of it, yeah. <laughs> Captain Creation wants some of that. <laughs> We sh- we really need to end this. Oh, <laughs> we're twenty minutes over. You guys are. I'm Mulligan. Uh, I'm Berg. And I'm Vicker. And may your conversation be clear and succinct. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns. You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.